this is Jess Fishlock, and you're listening to Coffee and Valkyries. Good evening, Susie. How are you today? How are you this evening? Hey, I'm doing super well. I feel exhausted after some of the World Cup matches that have happened in the last few days, but um, it's been a wild, joyous World Cup adventure so far. How about you? I'm perfectly chill. I don't know what you're talking about. It's not like, <laughs> it's not like anything happened today in the world of women's soccer. No, they were pretty, it was a pretty boring match. <sighs> so where, where should we begin? Do you want to just talk about uh, Scotland, Argentina? Yeah, if anyone has not been following today's action, um, Scotland needed a win today to advance to the knockout round or to give themselves a chance to advance to the knockout round. Mm-hmm. And their first goal scorer in the first half was none other than Kim Little, getting her first ever World Cup goal. Which Your was best such- friend. My best friend, such a special moment for her and for people to get to see her on the world stage. And it felt like even 20 minutes into that second half, Scotland was up 3 nothing. They had it in the bag. They were going to the knockout round. And Argentina found some life in them. Yeah. And managed to put themselves one goal behind and then were down a goal heading into stoppage time got awarded a very valid penalty, mm-hmm. missed the first penalty, and as we've seen happen already two times, um, got awarded a second penalty because the keeper was just barely off her line on the kick, which is an, not a new law by any means, but mm-hmm. a, a rule of the game that they've enforced very strongly this World Cup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So um, Argentina gets to take their second penalty and buries it. And so the game ends in a wild 3-3 draw. I think it was what I saw the the most significant come from behind in World Cup history. Um, no team has come from three goals behind. So kudos to Argentina for all the fight. But that was a heartbreaking way to see Scotland miss out on the knockout round. Yeah. And um, there's a lot to unpack within uh the scoreline of uh 3-3 because so yeah first off we are happy that Kim Little finally arrived and got a goal at the World Cup I tweeted you tweeted like everybody that we knew tweeted about the excitement about Kim Little finally getting a goal in the World Cup and then it just reinforced for you and me and a few others how special it was to see Kim Little play in person for the three years that she was here with Rain FC. Yep. Um, so then Australia gets, uh, sorry, Scotland gets a second and a third goal. Uh, Beatty scored the second goal, right? Yep. And then who scored the third? Aaron Cuthbert, who's Aaron just Cuthbert. been a joy to watch. Just yeah. so much tenacious energy. So yeah, the Scotland has a three goal lead. And I think at that point, that's when Argentina subbed out as Stefania Benini to everyone's bemusement as to why do you do that. Yeah, they were like, well, it doesn't sound like Argentina wants to win. Yeah, or at least try and crawl, make some you know, some form of a comeback because you know, she's your captain. She's you know, arguably the best player. Um, and then, yeah, her, her substitute 
gets the first goal. Was it the first and second goal? It's the first. Oh, uh, just the first? But I can't remember. I, I remember the second. It was a gorgeous shot off the top cross floor. Um, but I, I can't actually remember who scored it. No, I'm looking at the score lines right now. Yeah. It's Menendez with the 74th and the 74th. And then uh, their second goal was an own goal by Scotland's Lee Alexander. Oh, uh, yeah, because it went off the crossbar and then kind of off her and into the goal. Yeah. And then, Come on, give the shooter the, the, the goal there. Right. <laughs> and then we get to the penalty in, in the box that uh, was correct, even that I think they called it in real time. And they then, did not, no. Oh, they went to VAR. Yeah. The, but it was a very clear penalty. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, like you said. And then we get into all the craziness of the penalty and then the fact that, once again, VAR enforced, you know, the current laws of the game as they are written, as they've been written for pretty much a lot of people's lifetimes. But technology is now really enforcing that, you know, the rules to the most finite detail of it. And then, yeah, the craziness of uh, the first penalty being missed and then a retake because of VAR, second one being converted. And I thought it was just weird, like, because they only play like a minute after that uh, second penalty was converted and then the restart, they play a minute into it and then the game is over. That was so confusing because there was four minutes of stoppage time and then there was about five minutes of waiting to see if they were going to do uh, use VAR mm-hmm. on the penalty decided to so then they had to go review it so that felt like five or six minutes alone so you should have added that much time yeah but then the game was just called it was I mean either team had a chance to to get a win um I think both sides have have um a right to be frustrated because Argentina would have put themselves in a much better position to advance if they had won and vice versa Mm -hmm. for Scotland and so ending in a draw is kind of bad for both sides which is It was a wild, entertaining second half. Uh, hard to complain about that. But can we talk about just how crazy it was that Scotland blew a three-goal lead? It, I mean, Scotland, yeah, they fall apart, which is such a bummer because mm-hmm. like, that game was theirs. I was surprised that, you know, in the 70th minute or so, they um, weren't putting in more defensive subs you'd think mm-hmm. yeah, we're up three nothing let's just protect this let's throw a bunch of bodies behind goal and they didn't do that and I think it kind of came back to hurt them yeah because um at, yeah when you when you have that comfortable of a lead you know put in a bunch of defensive minded players just to you know hold it out and that their simple task is just if the ball's like anywhere in their you know in their third of the field just bomb it as far as you can away from you know from your from your goal, but it, yeah, it was just, rec, yeah, rec soccer one hundred and one, just <laughs> yeah. the ball away from goal. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, then just the whole entire craziness of the first penalty. Then once again, because we've seen it with other penalty uh, kicks taken at the World Cup, the first penalty um, is null and void because of a retake because of the the rule that they're enforcing of goalkeepers must not come off their line early. Yeah, it's it's um, got to be super frustrating for Scotland fans because they've been disadvantaged by video review calls. I think every match mm-hmm. of the of the group stage, and you know they didn't play 
good enough to be England or Japan, but we'll feel hard done by some VAR calls. And then to get one more of this game, which as we've both said is technically the right call under the, under the rules, that's gotta be super frustrating. And kind of, as a lot of people have saying, feels like a lot of people were super pumped about video review and VAR. And um, this is like feeling to many, like, perhaps we're going too far. Yeah, and I think you and I and a lot of our uh, colleagues all in agreement that we're fine with implementing technology to review plays that you know are basically pivotal or game-changing uh, situations, but we're finding out that the current laws of the game are not written in a way that really utilizes VR properly, or maybe it's the other way around in that the technology is only um, being used for the rules as they're written as is. And obviously we're now seeing a, a groundswell and perhaps maybe we should rewrite some of the laws right. of the game or just at least update them, you know, with regards to, yes, this is what technology is going to be looking forward to. And cause yeah, it is, it is incredibly ticky tacky for a penalty uh, to be retaken because the goalkeeper's heels were, you know, two millimeters off the line. It's like, yeah, we have the we have cameras that can zoom in that far and and can decipher how you know there's legitimate real estate between the very edge of the paint and the goalkeeper's heel. But mm -hmm. at the same time, it's like it really sucks that they're being that stringent, such a stickler for the rules. But these are it's it's following the spirit of the law as it stands right now and you kind of hope that maybe this starts uh, the conversation that, okay, maybe we need to update the laws of the game. Mm -hmm. But it's also frustrating because when VR was implemented in men's major international tournaments, they had practice times, you know, like the Grant Wall tweeted out after uh, Scotland, Argentina, that on the men's side, they, they practiced it or basically ran demo trials at the Confederations Cup. Right, and this one um, for the women's game got announced pretty late in the process after I think a lot of complaining from different federations, Jill Ellis included, saying, wait, you're not going to give us video review? Um, mm -hmm. So it felt like it maybe got decided a little late so they didn't have the time to really talk about it. The, fa the fact, A, how do you implement it and how do we get trained? And B, they did, I mean, the the goalkeeper coming off the line is not a new rule, but they did implement some new rules um, as of June 1st. Um, so that's a pretty short order to, to really get up to speed and to make sure players know, like these are the five things we're going to be calling this World Cup um, so they can be really prepared for it. I think, too, it's absolutely ridiculous that the goalkeeper gets an automatic yellow. Yeah, I don't that like that way. one. It's so ridiculous. And, mm -hmm. and the, considering the fact that if you get two yellow cards until you reach it, the semifinals, you're sitting a game. And that's a lot of games to avoid two yellow cards. So Yeah. Like, if I mean, they're not going to change that rule mid-tournament because that is that kind of opens up a whole can of worms. But, if yeah, if there's one thing amongst the conversations, if, if, you know, if FIFA is going to have that conversation in terms of updating uh, the laws of the game, they really, really need to change that aspect where if a goalkeeper comes off their line on that first penalty take, that you got to get rid of that automatic yell. You got to give them that final verbal warning like you would, like a referee would give any 
uh, outfield player after making, you know, let's just say three to five fouls. And then they say, okay, this is your last warning before I book you. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. So they announced, you know, VR back in June 1st. It's like, you kind of want to, this is one of those things where, of course, FIFA probably didn't think about this because they're not exactly good planners as we're, we're finding out. <laughs> but you kind of think when all the national teams, you know, had arrived in France to their respective uh, base camps, hotels, what have you, you would hopefully have thought maybe somebody from FIFA would have said, okay, we're going to put you all in this room. We're going to run a presentation for about three hours. Here's what we're looking for in VAR. You kind of wonder if they'd done that before even the first game had kicked off. Maybe that would have, you know, lessened maybe the instant shock and anger. Like, really, you're calling this now after a lot of us have spent our entire lives playing it this way and never, and rules like that rarely enforced in such a really ticky tack manner. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's, it just feels like, there, there could have been a meeting or two before the tournament started where they could have sat all teams and all coaches to say, here, this, this is what we're looking for. This is what VR, VAR is going to look for and all that stuff. Because, yeah, Scotland, uh, or all players that have been affected by the way VAR has been so stringent so far in this tournament have um, every right to be angry. I mean, I, I really love the fact how Rachel Corsi was just Basically, if she could have gotten away with it, she would have set up a tent and built a uh, campfire right in front of that penalty uh, mark. I couldn't believe she didn't get a yellow card. I, I feel like in any of the instances, that's probably a deserved one. But mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, she was just like, nope, I'm not going to let you take this penalty kick. Yeah, because, yeah, she, I'm pretty sure she said some magic words that could have easily been... Uh, responded with the yellow card for dissent but she had every right to be angry yeah uh so um so argentina is now through into the knockouts or do they have to wait on results for tomorrow's matches yeah they're not looking great because they only earned a point and i don't pretend to remember all of the scenarios but um Cameroon and New Zealand have a shot and Chile still has a shot as does Nigeria depending on how the group E and group F games really shake out so Cameroon and New Zealand are on zero points right now but they play each other mm -hmm. so if they one of them wins they're going to have three points to Argentina's two okay. and New Zealand's three uh, or Nigeria's three and then if Chile beats Thailand or vice versa um they'll have one of those two will have three points also and i think there's still just two spots left okay so it's kind of, it's basically with amongst those four teams an outright win by either one kind of punches their ticket yeah like, we're not in that weird territory of like a bunch of crazy math we're like oh thailand could get in by scoring like 13 goals or something i think they have to ha they i think they have to beat chile by like something like 16 goals it's a pretty ridiculous number for thailand so chile doesn't have oh chile doesn't have as hard of a path as thailand on goal differential 
So you're saying I should call Las Vegas and put 17 goals on Thailand. Do it. <laughs> um, moving on back here into the friendly comforts of the United States, there was also some news in the women's soccer league here, but not as it's not as chaotic, I want to say, as Argent Scotland Argentina game, but it's still <laughs> it was pretty surprising. Um, Savannah McCaskill is now a Chicago Red Star. Chicago man, how do they keep getting these players? Well, they have like eleven picks. I know. Yeah, they had a lot of they had a lot of draft picks to bargain with, and as we've seen in the last year, there's a lot of players that want to leave Sky Blue, mm -hmm. and Sky Blue doesn't have a ton of bargaining power. So what mm -hmm. they can control is future picks versus active players. So yeah. I don't know if you can hear my dog, but she's rolling in a blanket right now. Oh, okay. I so thought it was, sorry I thought it was the, your TV. Sorry for the noise. <laughs> no, I thought it was your TV. Um, but yeah, Sky Blue has all they can leverage for is um, draft picks that they hope translates into a player that will want to play yeah. in, in New Jersey. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's obviously Chicago is the winner in this trade because they need um, – attacking players with um, arguably their biggest attacking player, Sam Kerr, still playing in the World Cup. Um, yeah, it's just going to be weird how that uh, roster is going to be when the World Cup players uh, return. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Like, Sky Blue has played McCaskill on the wing as a attacking midfielder, kind of as a little bit of a lone striker, too. So mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see where she ends up in Chicago. I think they could use some depth on the wing. Is that her best position? I don't know, but um, she's going to certainly have, um, hopefully, a happy experience in Chicago. Yeah, I think what is going to happen with McCaskill under Rory Dames' watch is they're probably going to just have her keep her in one role and just have her focus on being very good at that. Kind of like how when um, – that first season, you know, that off season when it was announced that Vlaka was going to become Rain FC's uh, head coach. And you and I had talked with him and talking about how, what can he do to this team? It's like, well, he can establish clearly defined roles for everyone. And, you know, the great example that he gave us was um, Jess Fishlock, who, um, by the way, if, for one, anyone listening, if you didn't hear, Jess Fishlock won NWSL Player of the Week honors. Congratulations, Jess. Yeah. Um, but he was talking about how, you know, in the season prior where he was watching her film, watching her game film, she was trying to do 10 different things. And while she's capable of doing 10 different things at the same, you know, out on the field, there were all 10 things at like an okay level when he wanted her to dial it back to just five things and do them at a very good to great level that we know she can and has proven to be able to do. So I think... Um, that's what I can see coming out of McCaskill uh, now that she's a Red Stars player. And I'm sure our colleagues over at Hot Time and Old Time will be able to explain on that uh, a lot more clearer and also um, correct me if I'm wrong, but since they covered the beat. But I think that's what uh, we can see and the immediacy for her. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting. That's the Reigns' next matchup. Um, <laughs> yeah, of course. Good timing, right? Uh, yeah. I, I don't suspect she starts right away. That's a pretty quick transition, but I'm certain we could see her off the bench even this weekend. Oh, yeah. Um, and the way their uh, press release wrote it up, um, they basically expect her to be in the 18. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> what an asset to come off the bench. Yeah, right. Yeah. Good, good transition though to talk about Jess Fishlock in the rain. Mm-hmm. Um, she did win um, Player of the Week honors, and it's been really interesting. I'm sure folks have been following the team, but since Fishlock's been back from Lyon, she's been playing more of an attacking midfielder role, and Bevianes has slotted in behind her to be more of a holding midfielder alongside Morgan Andrews, and it seems like it's been working out. Um, really well, Bev. Is, mm-hmm. Bev had what? How many tackles? She had like sixteen tackles or something super ridiculous in their yeah. their last match against yeah. the Spirit. Um, and Fishlock had eleven shots. So you're seeing like Bev is becoming much more defensive minded as a midfielder. And Blocko has talked a lot about it. She's just such a smart player mm-hmm. and has really developed that skill set a lot more. So she's not getting on the ball as much in the attacking third and getting a lot of shots off but how how I was I was just looking at touch charts for the match between the rain and the spirit last weekend and the rain forwards most of their touches are in the attack they're attacking third and and Washington spirits were mostly around kind of midfield center of the center of the field which is not where you want your attacking players to be but but Bevian has played such an important role in breaking up play around there and forcing the for- the spirit forwards to have to drop a lot to try to even get the ball. Yeah, I'm trying to look it up right now because, yeah, Bev had, like, um, a lot of tackles and even equally impressive, if not more, zero fouls called on her. Yeah. Yeah. And then that whole thing about Fishlock having 11 shots per opta was really weird. I know. But, I, she didn't have that many shots. She had a yeah. lot, but... <laughs> well, I mean, I think if you if we were to ask Jess, she's like, no, every time I touch the ball and I kick it forward, it's a shot. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. I'm trying to find it. I don't think I can find it. Uh, oh, 10 right tackles. I got it. There we go. 10 tackles. We've had 10 tackles. Um, 51 touches, which is a solid amount of touches on the ball, and mm-hmm. um, she won two fouls but conceded zero, as you said. Yeah, and yeah, I remember you talking to Vlato during preseason about how he basically wanted her to change up her role and be more of a defensive-minded uh, player in the midfield, and it's working out pretty well. Yeah, yeah, and just, I mean, the Rain were playing the top team in the league, the Spirit have just been a really killer team this year i've really seemed to come all come together lots of young players who are really clicking mm-hmm. playing a real they've been playing a real possession focused game and they're dominating passes per game um pass completion per game and the rain because of the high press they they have really been um in, that has really been instilled in the team they just took that away from the spirit completely and their forwards had very few touches on the ball. Their pass completion was probably one of their worst of the season. Mm -hmm. Um, And that just says a ton about 
how much the players are are absorbing and getting from Vladko because this is as we as fans know a team that has gone through so many injuries and World Cup departures and has a different front line like every match yeah. and that they can all just step in there and um, put a high press together which takes all t- all eleven players on the field and do it so well against the best team in the league says a lot about the coaching staff and how prepared this team is. Yeah. And something I want to add to their performance against Washington Spirit. Um, once again, Aubrey Bledsoe is uh, continuing to show why she's the top goalkeeper in this league up so far in this season. And um, yeah, she was still making some incredible saves, even though we got one or they got one past her. Um, one thing that I Not asked. Rude. Yeah. One <laughs> thing that I asked her after the match was just about her incredible form up to this point in the season. Like, you know, if she could pick out one at you know what's like the one thing that could attribute to her form and I really uh, like how she said it was about just the mental aspect of the game and because she said that you know last year whenever it felt like she let in a conceded a goal um, it all would just kind of fall apart for her and she would just lose her confidence mm. and then um, she said in the offseason that she just worked with the, her goalkeeping coach and just fixed that mental aspect of like you know of course, no goalkeeper ever wants to allow in a goal, but if it if it happens, you know, it's not the end of the world. And she's become a lot more assertive and a lot more vocal in communicating with the back line to make sure that, okay, if we conceded a goal here, let's not, let's try and fix it right now and correct ourselves. So it's just that one goal. And then maybe everybody else on the op- offensive end can, you know, get uh, one back or put in a second one, so forth. It was also funny um, <clears throat> in talking with her after the match, her, how raspy her voice was. And that was because she said um, in the second half, her goal was in front of the, or the supporter section was behind her, but also the supporter section at Cheney Stadium also has a band right there as well. Oh, yeah. So she had to be a lot more louder in getting instructions out to her back line to anybody else. Great work, Rain supporters. Yeah, but yeah, I um, yeah, I was really impressed by uh, Bledsoe's uh, post match. She was just when I asked, you know, what is it that's attributed to this uh, incredible form that she's in, been in to start off the season? And she said, oh, it's mostly just the mental aspect. Just mental, yeah, yeah, making sure that I don't come apart because I conceded a goal. Yeah, I mean, I think for a goalkeeper, it's got to be one of the most important positions from the mental perspective. In the same way, a forward can't hesitate to take a shot if they've missed five in a row. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's the exact same way for a goalkeeper. You're just not letting down when you're trying to stop them. Yeah, and we're we're seeing that as well with Rain's uh, current starter, Casey Murphy. Current starter, and let's talk about the fact that they had to sign a fifth string goalkeeper because our backup to Murphy has a concussion. Yeah, all these injuries are just not fun at all. Like, I mean, Vlatko had said, like, you know, there's, it's not, it's just bad luck at this point. It's like, there's no, he could kick, scream, and holler and hurl obscenities, but he'd just be screaming into the wind. It's like, all we can do is just wait for everyone to get healthy. And fortunately, it sounds like, um, a lot of the players that aren't on season-ending injuries are making their way, or at least uh, on schedule, to make their full recoveries. And 
while some of them may not be available this weekend, we'll just have to wait and see for Friday's injury report. Yeah. But it sounds like um, it's still staying true to the early prognosis. Oh, they'll probably be out for a couple of weeks. So hopefully we get to see the likes of Darian Jenkins, Christian McNabb, and Shea Groom available for selection for next match, uh, which would be next Friday at Utah Royals. Yeah, I mean, and speaking of all these injuries, the Reign have had to sign a number of national team replacement players um, in response, but one player we haven't talked about yet is former national team player turned assistant coach turned Rain FC national team replacement player, Steph Cox, mm-hmm. who I was incredibly surprised to see in the starting lineup, but it looked as if she hasn't been retired for three years. Yeah, as much as her being in the starting lineup against Washington was born out of necessity because they just needed a living, breathing, able-bodied person in there. Yeah, it was like hopping into a time machine. It was like we're back to 2014, 2015 because it really looked like she was not somebody that had been retired for three years. To go from being retired to not, I know Vlatko said they were sort of keeping an eye on her in the 55th minute or so. Yeah. But she she played the whole game. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine. I'm sure she's played games in between the last three years. You know, I'm sure she's playing on some sort of adult league or something. Mm-hmm. But that's not the same as playing in the NWSL. And she just blew my mind. She was above and beyond what I expected. Yeah. I mean, I wrote her in as a Player of the Week nominee. And uh, while ultimately she didn't uh, get enough votes to place in the top three, yeah, I was just like, yeah, she just did a full 90 shift and looked like, you know, like it was 2014, 2015. She had uh, her defensive responsibilities. She didn't uh, screw up anything there. Her crosses into the box were were vintage. Like there was one play in the first half where she sent a box into the, uh, across into the box. And then here you have five feet, whatever, Jess Fishlock trying to, you know, climbed the sky and to get the almost you know got her head on that it was so close that would have been an incredible moment it would have been yeah and then yeah it was just it was it was just a lot of fun um hearing her post-match when we were asking you know how did it feel to be back out there felt like you didn't miss a beat and she obviously credited the fact that she was playing with a lot of familiar faces you know you had yeah Fabian is there Lauren Barnes to her right Jess Fishlock up there as well, you know, creating all sorts of mayhem and everything. So I'm sure that had a lot of uh, factors in getting her comfortable. It's like, oh, it's, you know, this is like the saying goes, it's like riding a bike again. Yeah. If only yeah. I could do the same. Yeah. Yeah. It was really fun to see her uh, out there and, you know, put in a solid performance. Um, and yeah, we just, you know, you kind of wonder if she's going to be in the, if she's going to start on Sunday at Chicago Red Stars or if she's going to be at least in the 18. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to go and make a prediction for Sunday's match? Oh, man, Jacob. Or do you want to go back to the World Cup because there's some games going on? <laughs> I think, I think the match is going to be really hard. Playing Chicago in, in Chicago is so difficult and the rain have not managed to to get a lot of points there Mm. um with that said chicago is a team that is is hurting from losing at the national team players when you lose a player like sam kerr 
-hmm. it makes it a lot more difficult to score goals. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know what the scoreline is going to end up being. I could see, I would be happy with a draw, frankly, even though we've had so many draws this season. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would be happy going to Chicago and taking a point away. I will be happy first and foremost, if we actually play this game on time and on schedule, Yeah. (laughs) hopefully there aren't any adverse weather, uh, scenarios again, where they have to play the morning after, uh, like it was the case earlier this season. But no, I'm going to go out on the limb and predict a Rain FC victory. I love it. Yeah. I think um, the World Cup absences hurt Chicago a lot more than it hurts uh, Rain FC because we still have uh, Fishlock here. We still have uh, Teresa Nielsen here. And um, again, for anyone that's listening to this episode, we're still waiting. We have to wait for Friday's injury report, but it sounds like everything is fine regarding Fishlock because she took a bit of a hard fall in the match against uh, Washington Spirit. And I know in the immediacy of, of it, people were thinking, oh, did she separate her shoulders? Did an AC joint? Is it a broken collarbone? We obviously don't know. We won't know until the injury report comes out. But I think what's encouraging is the fact that within the minutes after she eventually got up, was looked to by the training staff and was back out on the field. Whenever there was like a brief stoppage in play, she was rotating and moving her her left shoulder about making sure she had full range of motion. Yeah. It looked like as part of her celebration, it might've been a little adrenaline, but it looked like it wasn't bothering her certainly yeah. at that point. Adrenaline loaded up on painkillers because you know, she <laughs> got that from the training staff. But yeah, I was, again, not a doctor, but I'd like to think if it was anything super serious, you're you're not able to do any of those testing the range of motions um you know five ten fifteen minutes after the fact yeah yeah but yeah i think um with fishlock there just being such a dangerous influence on the attack i think rain fc get uh, the victory in chicago a rare victory in chicago i think they can do it i mean um, they they had a week off, but their last match against Portland really showed um, that it's possible to stretch their back line and take balls to the end um, end line and cut him back and get him a little bit um, out of out of position on mm-hmm. the back line. So I think with the kind of speed we have up up top and what we've seen from Bethany Balser, I think we saw they created so many chances against the Spirit. They just need to finish more of those and they do against Chicago they're gonna set themselves up real well yeah and that's been another thing that Vlaco and the players have been talking about the past couple of weeks like we're having all of these uh solid and really great chances but we're just not finishing them and yeah it's just one of those things I think once they start finishing you know one two chances maybe it just opens up the floodgates and they start scoring at will yep yep after the break we will continue on with making predictions for the rest of the NWCL matches this weekend. And we'll talk a little bit more about the World Cup and the final group stage matches. And we might have some questions to answer. And we're back. Uh, Susie, let's get right into uh, looking at the rest of the NWCL schedule for this weekend and, ma- and make some predictions. Okay. So Some fun matches this week. There are. There's actually a Friday night match. Uh, yeah. 
you have Portland Thorns hosting Utah Royals. <sighs> this is going to be an interesting one. I feel like Utah, um, it, um, Amy Rodriguez has been in, in really good form, but I, like, I wasn't as impressed as, as, as I should have been from their performance against Sky Blue last week. Mm-hmm. Um, nor was I impressed with Portland's incredibly low passing numbers against North Carolina last week. Yeah. It was in the two hundreds, low two hundreds. That is wild. Uh, yeah. I, I get the I get a feeling that that I have underrated Portland though for the last few times and they're gonna be at home again. Mm-hmm. Um so I could see I'm I'm gonna go with Portland winning. I'm with you. Uh I've, I'll go with Portland winning because it's home and we know Portland Thorns have like one of the greatest home field advantages and especially because um, with everybody watching the World Cup during the day, it's like, you know, everyone's still on a bit of a high from watching World Cup in the mornings, at work, during lunch. And I can just see them, uh, the Portland Thorns home crowd led by the Riveters continuing up that energy into Friday night. And um, yeah, it's also the summer of Midge Purse. Yes, continues to score. Um, yeah. yeah, so I, I, you know, Laura Harvey will come in with a smart strategy against them, but feels like Portland's to win. Yeah. Uh, next up, you have Washington Spirit hosting Houston Dash. You know, I think, um, I think it's going to be the Spirit. Um, and... I think because they tend to to really be able to to do quite well against teams that don't press as much as the rain did. So yeah, um, I think Houston might feel a little hard done from some calls last week where they <laughs> get a win against Orlando, but uh, I don't think that's enough to like anchor to take them in to what'll be a tough match for them. Yeah, Washington Spirit are good. They have what three three to four rookies that are in the starting 11 on a consistent basis. Yeah. Yeah. Sam Staub and uh, DiBiase. Those DiBiase are some... and then Tegan McGrady. Yeah, and Tegan yeah, McGrady. they're just getting a lot out of players that kind of struggled a little bit last year, whether it was Andy Sullivan, who just looks incredible and mm-hmm. kind of showing maybe if she had had perhaps better co- team cohesion or coaching last year, she might've been on that, on that flight to France. For the yeah. for the U.S., she's playing of that caliber right now. But yep, she got her first NWSL goal at Chandy Stadium last weekend, and yeah, maybe it's just that unlocking of uh, everything else that uh, her skill set brings. And also, shout out to Paige Nielsen. She's uh, looked so good. Yeah, Journey, yeah, journeyman career up to this point, and she's become a solid uh, foundation in that Washington Spirit back line. Who yeah. saw that coming? She's a she's a difficult player to get behind, and yeah, she's she's looked super strong. Yeah. Next up, you have Sky Blue hosting Orlando Pride. This is the bottom teams in the league who have yep. yet to get a win this season. Inexplicably, Orlando gets two goals last weekend. <laughs> I know. Honestly, I'm. I just want something good for for New Jersey, so I'm gonna say Sky Blue gets the win. I kind of want to agree with you on that, but at the same time, these are the two teams at the bottom <laughs> of the table. I just see draw. Yeah. I mean, they could light it up and go trade goals and do 3-3 three, three or something or 2-2 two, two, like they did at Houston. But yeah, yeah, I just – a draw. Yeah. 
Yeah. Probably fair. Moving on, we have the final match day of the group stages in the World Cup. Yeah. Can't believe we're already here. Uh, you first have Netherlands against Canada in one oh, bracket. Yeah, yeah. And then in another bracket at the same time, you have Cameroon hosting New Zealand. Yeah. These are both really interesting matches for different reasons. Yeah. New Zealand has been a team that's been super happy to just bunker and play defense and hope for some sort of counterattack mm-hmm. that hasn't really came for them. And Cameroon's a team that likes to go on the attack and isn't always as organized defensively. But I kind of like Cameroon here. I've been high on them since the beginning, and I think they're just a fun team to watch. Um, and they held, you know, they did a good job holding the Netherlands last match. Um, scored a goal on them and put enough pressure on them to where Netherlands fans were a little nervous. So I like Cameroon. Okay, because I'm looking at our uh, predictions tracker and you have it as a draw. Ah, I forgot about the draft, <laughs> the, the tracker. Maybe I, wanna... should, maybe I should look at that. No, I'm still going to go. I'm not going to update it, but I'm still okay. going to say. I'm still going to say go Cameroon. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so for Netherlands, Canada, you have it as a draw. Yeah. Sticking with that? I am. How okay. about you? I have that one as a draw. And I have Cam- uh, New Zealand taking the win against Cameroon. Okay. It'll be fun. We, we've had some fun conflicting guesses, which yeah. makes it super exciting. Have you been keeping track of your picks? I've been I've been watching every day and being like, oh, I was I was two for two today, but I haven't compared it to you and Steve. Okay, I wonder if Steve has like kept tally and worked out the math at who has the highest percentage of accuracy. Yeah, accuracy. that would be helpful. Should ask him later. You did then, predict the Scotland Argentina draw today, so good job. Yeah, but not in the most dramatic fashion. <laughs> for the afternoon bracket, you have Thailand versus Chile. Yep. For that one, you have Chile winning. Yep. I have Chile winning for that one as well. The Great then, Wall of Endler. Yes, the Great Wall of Endler. And then the big matchup to close out the group stages, Sweden versus United States. Bum, bum, bum. Dun, dun, dun. With, uh, some, alleged, with some alleged trash talking. But I know. Like being... How weird was that? It's like I haven't seen much trash talking whatsoever. As much as I, I love trash talking, I would love for uh, the Women's World Cup to have trash talking. It feels like the way it's been reported, it's like it's, there's some loss in translation stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't, I haven't heard much from, from U.S. players in the media about Sweden. In fact, they've been like, they're a good team. Yeah. Um, nor, I think, I've, I heard from some of our media colleagues that um, some comments that Sweden made today have been taken a little bit out of context and so they're turning it into the sweden responded to some u.s attacks and it sounds like none of that is actually happening reporters taking quotes out of context that never happens in sports we're talking about i'm super excited about this game for a lot of reasons but one it's just the u.s needs a game heading into knockout rounds it's against a higher level of competition and it'll be helpful for us to see where they're at it's hard to to really gauge that after they played Thailand and Chile yeah like you've said before the fact that it's taking until the final group stage match for USA to be really tested is something that could hurt them especially when they go into the knockouts based on 
where they're seated and who will they be facing in the knockouts. But you and I both have USA winning this match. Yep. I think, yeah, there's just too too much firepower that the U.S. can start off with and pull off the bench. They're not going to drop 13 on Sweden. We know that. <laughs> no. no, I think that offensively it's where they're probably going to shine and it'll be interesting to see how their defense gets tested. So is that it or do we have some I'm, – I'm checking our Twitter feed to see if there's any questions that people want us to answer. Oh, quiet crowd today. It is a quiet crowd. I think everyone just like needed to go lie down and just yeah. sleep off the craziness of Scotland and Argentina. I don't blame them. Probably. My recommendation is get to some good sleep because things are going to get even more wild after the group stage. Yeah. Oh, so here's a, a question that we've been asking players that we've been interviewing, but I don't think we've ever answered it ourselves. Mm. So let's mod- I'm going to modify it just a little bit, but it's the question about it's match day you're in charge of the playlist to get everyone hyped up instead of three songs because that seems to put anyone that we've asked on the spot to come up with three songs being hard i'm going to ask you one song that you'd put on the match day playlist oh shoot oh my gosh oh man i it's so funny i should have thought of this a long time ago when we asked players every week do you have one while I'm thinking? Yeah, I've been actually I've thought about this for the past couple of days just because I feel like we should be we able owe to it. answer. Yeah, it yeah, was just in case any players that we interview say, Well, what would you put on? One song that I would put on the Max A playlist is My Chemical Romance's Planetary Go song. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I like how if you check the YouTube comments for the music video of that song a lot of people tend to say oh it looks like gerard way just started watching too much anime and made a song about <laughs> it which is pretty uh fitting i think yeah that'd be one song i'd put on the match day playlist okay i have two that came to my mind okay. um, one is a silly one um mm-hmm. which is no doubts just a girl mm-hmm they're going to play soccer with a bunch of girls. That might be a fun one. Women's. Was that influenced by Captain Marvel? That was a great scene in yeah. Captain Marvel. Such a great scene in Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one is a band that um, some people may know called At the Drive-In that okay. I loved as a teenager. Um, I think I was a teenager. Um, and... They have a lot of great songs, but their most recognizable one is One Arm Scissor, and it's just like uh, an amp up kind mm-hmm. of song. So I, think I know I the song. That one. Yeah. Yeah. I think we'll drop uh, the music videos to all those songs in um, the post inside at heart for this episode, just so people can get familiar with them or reacquainted with them. Add them to your own playlist. Yeah. So yeah, that'll do it for this episode of Coffee and Valkyries. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we sign off, Susie? Hydrate before the group, the knockout phase, because um, it's going to be a fun. Oh, well, okay, I will say one thing. Sorry. Okay. Um, folks probably read um, it, the, the article we put on Sounder at Heart, but one of the most exciting things about this Women's World Cup is, A, the, the level of play is more 
um, competitive than anyone we've seen before, but B, um, countries around the world are breaking TV viewership records. Mm -hmm. We saw 19 million people tune in in Brazil for their opening match um, and 6 million for England versus Scotland on BBC. And it's, it's such a such a big moment for women's soccer right now. And I just hope people realize like this could be a, a potential turning point, but we all sort of have to commit to making it even better. Yeah, the fact that Brazil, Brazil had 19 million viewers for their uh, matches, just imagine how much that viewership number would be if their federation actually gave a damn about their team. Right, what's with such little investment in a team that has so many talented players. Yeah, just think about the run Brazil could have had with Marta, with Cristian, with Formiga, if their federation all those years before gave them, you know, the resources so that they can continue to play at the high level and just imagine how many world cups they would have won yeah yeah this could be a big turning point in federation saying you know what we have to invest in the women's game this is the time so it's a big moment for women's soccer and i hope people are super excited about it yeah likewise so that'll do it for this episode of coffee and Valkyries. as always thank you for listening thanks for listening everyone <laughs>